Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you. Yeah, great to see you. Uh, God's doing good things. Thanks for your excitement. Let's all stand together real quick. Let's just pray together. Father, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing at Radiant Church. And God, we do ask that you would open up your word to us. Lord, we thank you that you are King and you are Lord. You're the God of our lives. And God, we submit ourselves to you today. Holy Spirit, we pray, Lord, that the word of God would come alive in our hearts. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are working right now, present tense, even as we sang that song about even when I can't see it, you're working. And God, I pray for every single person that's here today that they would experience and know God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would be aware of your activity and your work. We honor you and we love you. Everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. Thanks for being here today. We're in this series uh, and we called it Clarity. And here's why. Uh, we, we wanted to take some subjects uh, that, that we think that sometimes there's a little bit of confusion on. And so there's the great moment in Acts chapter two where there is a little bit of confusion. And so people began to look at the Holy Spirit being poured out and this statement that said, hey, are these guys drunk? And then Peter jumps up and says, it is not as you suppose. He's not, he's not drunk. And this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of and began to talk about what was taking place with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and so I just liked that. And I, I felt like I wanted to have a whole series where we just took some topics and talked about some ideas that as a church, just we really get locked in on and clear on so that when other people kind of bring uh, accusation, we as a church, are confident in where we stand and what God's called us to do. And so we talked about healing and we really just established that we believe that God heals today. And we worked on that a little bit. And uh, it, we talked about worship and, we, and we, we talked about in the midst of the worshiping kind of culture, how there's some expression. And if you come into Radiant, there's some expression, right? There's sometimes that, that enthusiastic looking to God can can kind of jump out a little bit. And we talked about, is that okay? And what does that look like? And so we talked about being wholehearted worshipers of God and talked about spiritual warfare. And that was a big one. Um, and so we talked about fighting our battles, which we love to sing that song. This is how I fight my battles, which I love to sing the song, but I wanted to make sure that we understood what on earth does that mean? And how do we fight our spiritual battles? And so we talked about battles a little bit. And too, so today's gonna be the last day. And, I, and this is really coming out of my heart because of us being a church plant, meaning that we're so young, we're so new, we're just getting started. And a lot of the feedback that I get when people come to the church is they, they, they say, your church is so vibrant. There's, there's so much activity. God is at work and it feels innocent. It feels fresh. It feels like, it almost feels childlike in the way that there's expectation. And and I love that. I want to just call that authenticity. And, and I want to fight for that. And so the message this morning really comes out of wanting that to continue, like fighting for that to continue, because it's easy to lose that. So I want to fight for authenticity. I want to talk a little bit today about maintaining that childlikeness. 
And so when you look in the Old Testament, that innocence was, was referred to as, even in the, in the early in Genesis, there was kind of that idea of, um, of, of w- w- specifically with Adam and Eve, there was the, when, when, when the scripture talks about it, it talks about that there was this innocence. And if you remember, it's, they, were, they were naked and they had no shame, right? And then there was, after they sinned, they recognized that they were naked and they were filled with shame. And so even the way that we named this church came from Psalm 34, five, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And I think it's that idea. It's that idea that, that you and I wanna walk in innocence. And that's kind of the way that the picture that we see it in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it looks more like, Jesus talks about it as like coming like a child, like, like the faith of a child. And Jesus refers in a positive way to little children who believe for good gifts. And it's that kind of innocence. And I think that in our culture, it's easy for us to lose that innocence. And it's easy for churches to lose that innocence. And it's easy for shame to set in and over time lose that childlike wonder. And so I wanna talk about your relationship with God. And I wanna talk about us as a church contending for that authenticity, that childlike wonder uh, today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 23. And And this is where Jesus really fights against that. He articulates it. And then he, 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 we really find in his heart how much he hates people that are not authentic. And really, it's really challenging because, um, it's challenging for me. I love to talk about how when we look at Jesus, we see what God is like. And so in the incarnation, in the, in the idea that when we look at Jesus, in the face of Jesus, we can understand who God is and God's personality. And, and, and yet when we look at Jesus, there is one kind of person that, that he really came against strong. So it wasn't a certain sect of sinners. In fact, Jesus was someone who really embraced and spent time with sinners. But Jesus came at with force people that were hypocrites. He came with force to the kind of the Pharisees, the people that said one thing, but in their hearts were living another. And that's, that scares me because I think when I look at my own journey, when I look at, uh, when I look at kind of just church in general, that is easy to fall into. That's not like, that's, that is really simple to gradually find yourself there. So let's read it and we'll talk about it. Matthew 23, verse 25 says this. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside. Look at how many times it says inside, outside. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, interesting, so blind. You don't even know you're doing it. Blind Pharisee. Then he says, first clean the inside. Focus on the inside. First clean the inside of the cup and dish. And then, so it's an issue of order. And then the outside also will be clean. By nature of cleaning the inside, Jesus is here saying, focus on the internal. By the nature of focusing on the inside, then you'll get the outside too. Then he says, woe to you, which that word woe is like judgment. And nobody says the word woe as many times as Jesus in the New Testament. This is a word that he often uses. Actually, in your Bible right here, this is called the seven woes. We're looking at a portion of it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. This is Jesus talking. 
In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So Jesus here, strong, woe to you, woe to you. And, and I want us to look at this because I think that sometimes it's easy for what starts off with fresh life, with relationship with Jesus, with something that's real, to drift into slowly a form of lot of lot of there was a day where these methods, there was a day where these actions were real, but as years turn to decades to wake up and find ourselves in a little bit of this situation. And it's hard because these are so explicit. And so when we, hear, when we hear this word like hypocrites, we think negative. I mean, I grew up singing songs like hypocrites was like saying evil, devil. I, I don't wanna be a hypocrite. I mean, that's what I used to sing as a, as a child in Sunday school. But that word hypocrites wasn't a bad word. First century, it's, it's this Greek word of just saying actor. So it wasn't Jesus screaming out. You, it, it was Jesus saying, you're an actor. You're, you're pretending, it's fake. And when you, when you look at it that way, like when we kind of think about our own lives that way, that kind of starts to hit home. And I think that the tendency for us over time is if we're not fighting, contending, working on having our internal life, our inside, the way that Jesus talks about it, if we, if we slowly let that go, if we let that dissipate and we, we hang out in religious circles, we hang out in church world, we don't mean to. We're not intentionally choosing to be hypocrites. Nobody walks up and says, hi, I'm so-and-so. I lead a small group. I'm a hypocrite. Like, we don't do that, <laughs> right? We don't say, I sing on the worship team. I'm a hypocrite. I, preachers don't say, hey, what's up? I'm a teacher of the Bible. I'm a hypocrite. No, but what starts off as a lie, what starts off if we don't fight for authenticity, if we don't do what Jesus talks about, work on the inside, it is easy over the course of time to have all the outer trappings of religion and church and wake up decades later and keep all these things going, but there's not authenticity on the inside. And so when you read like in Genesis, I think it's easy to, I wanna juxtapose it in when we read Genesis in the tree of life versus the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because uh, you've got the, Adam and Eve and they're told uh, not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but to consume uh, any of the trees in the garden. And here's when the, when the enemy comes and lies, there's, an, there's options. And he says, did God really say, and you remember the story, lies to Eve, questions, did God really say? That's where the enemy starts. And then he comes back and says, yeah, you won't, you won't really Actually, actually, you'll become like God and you've got the enemy then lying. So he starts off questioning, then he moves to lying. Just like the enemy deceived in the garden, the enemy will come after you. And it's easy to stop consuming life and start consuming the knowledge of good and evil that becomes death. And so you don't even recognize it, but you've kind of started to get distant from God, believe some lies, and just kind of hang out in religion land. That's not a real place. I'm just making it up like Disneyland. It's just religion land. And you know all the right answers and you know the right things to do. 
And it's easy for you to live in the knowledge of good and evil, but the essence of even as in the scriptures, as we've got that language of trees and consuming fruit, it's, it's really consuming life or consuming knowledge of good and evil. And over time, it's easy to have the very things that should create life to be maintained in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. To be, to, be, to be doing some really great things, some really good things, but there's not spiritual vibrancy. There's not life on the inside. And you accidentally wake up 20 years later or 10 years later or eight months later. And there was months ago where there was spiritual vibrancy. There was months ago where there was life, where, where coming to God was full of life. And now you find yourself maintaining and I'm not even discrediting what took place. I'm saying genuinely taking place. Like, I don't think when you look at Pharisees that they were like intent on doing evil. I think that they were outwardly trying to keep the law. Outwardly, they were trying to do everything right, but they were trying to maintain it in their own strength. Okay? So, so all of us are working on how do we how do we follow Jesus with spiritual vibrancy for decades? Like, like not just early on, but for years and years. And I want us to look at inner motivation. Because when you get your inner motivation alive, working on the inside, when you've got relationship that's real, when you've got relationship that is active, that is fuel to sustain fulfilling God's call in your life. And it's easy to start off in relationship and slowly enter into religion. But I wanna talk about how we, how we maintain that relationship because when that relationship is real, that's what Jesus talks about. When Jesus comes to the Pharisees, I'm gonna take you to John five in a minute. He's looking for relationship, not religion. He's looking for what's alive, internal motivation, not external motivation. And he's saying, I want it to come be alive inside of you. And Jesus is always focusing on the inside. And if you get what's right on the inside, then on the outside, it comes. Make sense? But it's actually easier to maintain the outside. Everybody applauds the outside. You get praised by man for getting the outside right. But Jesus says, what I care about is the heart. I care about what's going on the inside. So religion says, do the right thing. Relationship says, get full of God and become the right thing. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. Relationship is God's attempt to reach man. So I like to say it this way. Religion is, is my action. Relationship is, is my reaction. It's, it's Jesus has done the work. Jesus is good. Jesus is God. And I'm responding in an overflow of love for what he's done. It's life. It's I'm consuming life instead of consuming knowledge of good and evil and rules and laws and religion. You with me? Are we tracking? And so I, I feel like that's part of the spiritual vitality of our church right now. Like uh, when Doug Lassett was here last week, he, he came and he just said, I couldn't believe the, the innocence, couldn't believe the life. Couldn't, I, I just loved it. And then he was like talking on social media about our church. And I just felt this pastoral, I wanna protect this. Like I wanna fight for this. I, I want us to get right in the center of the bullseye, what lasts for a long time, what lasts for eternity. And I, and I want us to get God's strength, not our own strength and stay dependent on him and get spiritual life on the inside. So sometimes, even like in relationship with the Holy Spirit, all right, when you're trying to get, okay, temptation is if I walk in religion, 
then I'm trying to do things on my own strength. It's, it's, even if you take what we call, you know, by Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the spirit or the work of the Holy Spirit, the outside work of God on the inside, and we would say, love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And, and what I think it's easy to do in the religion land is to, oh, I'm making that up right now. I didn't even have that in my notes. I don't know why that's coming out so often. <laughs> it's to try to maintain that in our own flesh. So we'll read a book on love, read a book on joy, read a book on peace, listen to a sermon series, and we'll work on each one of those. I'm gonna get those things. And it's got a lot of our own strength. So religion says, I can do this. It's my action. Relationship is, no, I'm consuming life. I'm God inside of me, Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the walking with God or our language today, it'd be like in sync with the Holy Spirit. It's God taking up residency inside of me. So you get the inside right, according to Jesus here in Matthew and the outside flows. Are you tracking with me? So simplistically, it's fight for that relationship. Don't let it drift into religion. I think for me, I really experienced this as a teenager and it really impacted my life because uh, I was a good kid. I was a religious kid. Um, I was a pastor's kid and eighth grade public school. Uh, my friend came to know Jesus and he suddenly, I mean, spiritual transformation. I mean, he was like, whew. I mean, he, he, he was like chief among sinners to like crazy radical very quickly. And I just remember watching this spiritual vibrancy, this fresh life bring transformation and honestly, lots of immaturity, but lots of real vitality. And so suddenly he was bringing this massive Thompson chain Bible to school. And I said, oh, you're bringing your Bible to school so people can see it. And he goes, no, I brought my Bible to school because I want to read it. <laughs> yeah, never thought of that, right? <laughs> because for him, it's, it's, it's this, I like the way Dallas Willard says it because he, he talks about methods of grace. So Bible reading is, oh, there's life. I'm consuming. I want as much God as possible. And this is a method. This is the Bible. I want to get close to God. So for him, it was this method of grace. But it's easy for us if we end up in religion for it to be a burden, so he's got it alive on the inside. And, and I, I know Bible better than he knows Bible, right? I mean, I was seventh grade Bible quizzer of the year. You don't know what that is, but it was awesome. I got a trophy with a cross on it. Yeah, I traveled around competing against other churches. You sat on this thing, you know, bam, bam. First one up, light goes on, finish sins, bam, quote the scripture, sit down, pull up. I mean, Pharisee in the making. Wah! I mean, like, I could do it. So I had far more knowledge and I just remember I was amazed he's bringing his Bible. And then with worship songs, suddenly he's singing songs and he doesn't even know worship songs. I know all the songs, right? I've sang, I've sang Christian songs since I was a little kid. I know the B-I-B-L-E. I know, I, know, I know all the Christian songs. And he's learning guitar so that he can be alone with God. And he's just starting to write his own songs to God. And he's only been saved for weeks. And I remember just looking at that going, huh, why? 
These, these things that could easily be just kind of this burden. I'm supposed to sing songs at the church. I'm supposed to, supposed to read my Bible. I'm supposed to pray. And suddenly he's like, hey, let's start a prayer meeting at our school. Oh, why? <laughs> really? That's where I was at. Why? Well, because we want to get as close to God as possible. And I was reading the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus said, oh, oh, yeah, okay. You tracking with me? And suddenly recognizing all of these different kind of methods, all these different kinds of things that could easily be a burden for someone that is slowly, not intentionally, I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't an evil kid. But that outside looked better than the inside. That outside, mm, I mean, I literally put the Bible trophies in the window so that people that drove by on 122nd Street could see my Bible trophies. That's off, right? That's just not right. But here's this guy who's been saved for weeks in every avenue because there's life. I'm just saying, you are the one that stands before God and only you and God know what's alive inside of your heart. And I'm telling you, it's a battle to maintain this spiritual vibrancy, but the way to maintain it is not to do more stuff for God. It's to, it's to get more of God in you. It's just, I wanna consume tree of life. Holy Spirit, come be inside. I wanna, I want, the word of God gives life because, I, because it's, the, it's the want to instead of the have to. It's that desire that's transformed. And I believe that's the innocent piece. I believe that's, that's the childlike, innocent, God, have your way. It's something that God's doing at our church. It's something that I think is beautiful and getting started. And my dream for us is that we would continue in the tree of life, that we would remain childlike, that there would be that innocence so that it, it's, 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 not, it's not our story that we come in and worship is a bit of a burden and we're mostly thinking about all the exterior dynamics of worship. And no, instead, it's, it's like the young man I was talking about where it's, I just, I just want God. I just, I just want him. Doesn't matter if I'm singing, Lord, I lift your name on high. Doesn't matter if I'm singing the latest song that just came out. I'm, I wanna worship. It's about you. I'm just so hungry for God or the scriptures or all these different methods. It's where spiritual vitality is alive, working on the inside. So it's easy to become a burden. And First John 5, 3, it says this. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. His, his commandments are not burdensome. So there's a pop quiz are we walking in tree of life or are we walking in tree of knowledge of good and evil? Just ask yourself the question, is this a burden to me? Is obeying God a burden to me right now? It's just between you and God. But when you hear those things, oh, prayer thing. <laughs> if Nathan shows another small group video, I'm gonna puke, you know, like, oh, burden. I don't wanna be, you know, or someone else talks about um, whatever, scripture, prayer, fasting, name. And you're just like, burden, 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 burden. There's a little hint right there, right? And Jesus says in John 14, 15, he says, 
if you love me, you'll obey me. And I think it's easy for us to think, if you love me, you'll prove it by obeying me. But I think when we read it, it's that the overflow of loving me is obeying me. It's because you love me, you're gonna obey me. It's the other side of the camera. If you love me, you're gonna obey me. It's just a life, joy, privilege, tree of life type living to consume God and obey. I want, it's innocent, it's fresh. See the difference? And so it's not about how long you've been a Christian or in Christ. It's about the spiritual vitality that's taking place in your heart. So you can maintain for years in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can hang out over here. And it's, what's, what's crazy is that <laughs> you, can, you can in seasons of your life be walking in the tree of life and there's vitality, consuming the things of God and getting God inside. I mean, working. I mean, it's like God at work. It's God doing. And then, and then, Switch over to the other tree and find yourself a little bit like a Pharisee, keeping the external rules, but your inside is far from God. So the fight is, how do I sustain it? How do I, how, David, how do I keep that internal motivation to be close to God? I uh, recently was sitting with uh, a pastor who's <clears throat> been a pastor for 40 years and um, sitting with a, uh, a bunch of pastors in a room. There's about 15 of us. And uh, he said, guys, I wanna give you today in this session, the number one thing that I've learned in ministry. Number one, and I'm thinking, come on. I mean, this guy pastors a great church. Number one, here we go. And here's what he says. He says, the one thing that I've learned to sustain years and years in ministry is that I have to have my relationship with Jesus be on fire. And I thought, come on, man, that's like seventh grade talk. Like I got that. I used to sing Carmen. I know that one. Like, <laughs> But here's what I'm saying to you as your pastor. All right, number one thing is relationship with Jesus on fire. And so I got a little bit inside of my heart that just had a little bit of a, just, just a little bit of taking just a step back this week as I was thinking about all the things that we're doing because we're saying, hey, we got a lot of activity going where we got lots of small groups going and we got the dream team going and we got great thing for teenagers on Monday night going and we're working hard to get all the kids things going. We got some new check-ins going and we got teams going and we set up for hours and we tear down and we got a worship team working on this youth conference we got going. We're trying to take the gospel all over the world. We're, we're giving uh, money away to missions, missionaries to make a difference around the world and, and, and we're just starting all this activity and I just, I just sensed as I was praying for you this week, I just sense. This is the center. We've got to keep a message. all the doing, all the stuff. Let's keep that relationship on fire. So here's number one. How do, how do, I, how do I rekindle it? How do I keep my relationship on fire? Here it is. Romans 5, 8. Number, I'm just going to give you a few quick things. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So number one is this, remember what Jesus has done for you. Oh, come on, I learned that in ninth grade. No, remember it today. Remember what Jesus has done for you, how easy it is to not remember the cross. It's one of the reasons why on Saturday nights, I gather with my kids and we take communion on Saturday nights together and we're just remembering, right? We're just, we're just gonna remember what Jesus has done for us. It's not long, it's just, but it's just kind of quick where I'm like, let's, let's keep this at the center. Let's keep remembering this is what Jesus has done for us. May it never grow old. May it not, may it not lose. It, it has maintained its power, but the question is, will it have power in us? 
Will we be so thinking about it, remembering it, talking about it, grateful for it? And so God demonstrates his love for you and while you are still sinners. So it's not change so that God will love me. No, he loved you first while you were still messed up. So I just got to remember, oh yeah, I missed all the stuff I know. But God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Make it personal. I was still messed up. You love me. Not, God, look what I've done for you. I am. I have memorized all these verses and now I serve here. And now Nathan likes me. I'm leading a small group. I mean, you know, like I'm doing some stuff, which I'm just telling you, it's tempting to live that way. It's tempting to try to put on a resume for God. Get alone before him. I remember, I wanna focus in on what you've done for me. I'm so grateful. And that causes the heart to be transformed. I was uh, speaking at a church in Montana. I did a Q&A session. And this guy raises his hand and he says, I wanna know. He said, he, I'll never forget. He was kind of like tough guy. And he was like, hey, I got a question. You do a lot of screaming, but I have one question. I was like, all right, I'll take that as a compliment. He goes, I got one question. He goes, What's the minimum I can do for God and still go to heaven? And I said, no, 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 that's not the question you wanna ask. You wanna ask how all in can I be? What Jesus has changed me? And he goes, no, I don't. He goes, that's not the question I'm, and that's not where I am. What I wanna do is I wanna have as much fun in, as I can in this life and still go to heaven. What do I gotta do? And so I looked at him and I said, brother, you need real relationship with Jesus because that's not Christianity. I don't, I, 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 right now, you're, you're still Lord. You're trying to use Jesus as a means to your happiness instead of surrendering your life to the one who is Lord and God. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, you could, just like it isn't here, I mean, you could feel the, <laughs> it was, whoa, it was strong. I was in my 20s, but I was feeling 55. What's up? You know, like <laughs> Leonard Ravenhill. Ha, <laughs> you know, crazy. <laughs> but I want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you. Don't, don't, don't try to get the minimum. God, I want all. <clears throat> Number two, focus on relationship with Jesus over keeping rules for Jesus. Focus on the relationship. John 5, 39. Jesus says to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. We come to a person, not a list, not a resume. We know this, so easy to build a resume and take pride in your resume instead of take joy in your relationship. Say, third one is this. I want to encourage you this. Just continue to pray for more revelation of God's love for you. Just keep asking. We talked about this in the Rooted series, but it's just so, in my relationship with God, it's, this, is, this is a critical piece for me. It's just, God, remind me how much you love me again. Ephesians 3 is that prayer that Paul prays. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses there's that word knowledge oh it's life it's life it surpasses tree of knowledge and good and evil you can't you can't understand it with your brain why it's 
It's supernatural activity. Holy Spirit resides in me. Holy Spirit is opening up my eyes to see God's love. I'm telling you this thing's about relationship. I'm telling you, we gotta come back to it's, it's you gotta fight for it. Last one, guard your heart from going cold, grow, growing cold. I, and I put that in there because, and that's the Proverbs 4 text about guard your heart, above all else, guard your heart, Solomon. But I put that in there because I feel like in my 40 years of, of Christianity, I, I feel like I've watched so many people that started off, started off with such life and then didn't even mean to. And I say it, not just others, me. Do you know, you know what it's like to stand up here and preach all these passionate sermons about prayer and giving and serving and loving one another and fasting and the nations and, and then to be like, oh dear God, how do I live this way? Oh man. And just go, oh God, I need you. It's that state of constant desperation. I need you. So that's my dream is that you'd fight for it, that you just keep it right in the center it would be who we are as a church. I believe God has amazing things for our church. I believe that one of the distinct factors that we're gonna fight for is that each one of us have a vibrant relationship with God and we don't end up with a religious resume, a religious activity, outside looks good, but inside whitewashed tombs, inside far from God. My dream, and honestly, I'll say this, I would encourage you, even the way that we have formed this church, I want it to be out of the overflow of your heart. Like that's even, the, even like the whole way that you hear us talk about the whole dream team thing and how it's discover the way that God wired you and God gifted you. Cause I want it to be internally created, not external. I don't want to say, hey, we need people to do this. And so go do the task. It's externally motivated. No, our dream is that internally, you've got this relationship with God. Internally, you're spending time with him. Internally, you want to connect with other people and, and, and connect in relationships, small groups. And internally, you're like, I got a calling. I want to do what God's called me to do with my... And so, man, I want to discover what that is and do it out of... It's, it's internally based rather than externally based. Religion is always externally based. Relationship is always internal spiritual vibrancy out of the overflow. Then it's like my friend in junior high. I want to read the Bible. I want to pray. I want to seek God. I want to memorize every song. You my Chipotle. I mean, just like whatever. I want God more than anything. I'm overflowing with whatever it is. Are you with me? And that's what I want for you. I want it, I want it so badly. I want us to walk in it. Let's stand together. Let me pray for you. Jesus, you're our everything. You're our hope. You're our joy. You're our life. You're our future. And we just confess our temptation to live in religion. It's so easy to become religious. It's so easy to find ourselves working on the outside, but not sustaining fervency on the inside. And so we ask Lord Jesus that you'd help us. God, I pray, Lord God, let us remember the cross, what Jesus has done for us. Let's fight for relationship. Lord, reveal to us what God's love looks like. Let us live in it. We want to live in love. Today, if you want to begin that journey with Jesus, you got to know he loved you first, but God demonstrates his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You, you don't, <laughs> he loves you right now. While we were still sinners, he died for us. You don't try to get right 
so that God will love you. He loves you right now, present tense, today, 10.07 a.m. If you wanna begin your journey with Jesus, I just want you just to come to him. Just pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. Save me and change me and give me a fresh start. Be the Lord of my life that I might spend eternity with you. I give you everything. You're my Lord. You're my God. Now, would you, everybody here, would you just take a moment? Would you just say, would you just ask the Lord to just pinpoint one area where you feel like the Holy Spirit is highlighting? Just that you can actively obey from something from this service. It could be in the worship. It could be what Nathan shared. But just, I want you to walk away different. Revelation. Transformation. Just one thing. Jesus, we give you our lives. Let us look like Jesus. Everybody said amen.